Welcome back to the podcast, folks. In a sec, we're going to have a chat with Ed Lawrence. Now, he runs a YouTube channel called Film Booth and specializes in uh, YouTube strategy, marketing, how to grow your channel, everything like that. He really is an interesting chap. His channel is exploding at the moment, and it's well worth sticking around if you have a channel yourself or if you're just interested in what goes on behind the scenes. But first, a bit of a shout out to the podcast sponsors, who this week are Inov. Now, Inov sponsor the main Teapot One channel. They specialize in dash cam systems, like motorcycle camera systems. Uh, they do front and rear systems, dual camera systems, single camera systems. There's even ones that will mount on your helmet with a power pack. Their systems are fully autonomous. They start as soon as you turn on the ignition. The K-Series even have a parking mode, which when enabled, your bike is even covered when you're away and the engine's switched off. It's got a motion system built in so any movement of the bike and it'll automatically kick in start recording everything and capture the culprit folks if you've ever been involved in an accident you'll know the first thing the insurance people will ask is is there any cctv and if you have one of these systems fitted you can say yes you don't need to worry about your speed and everything like that you can turn all of that off if you so wish but believe you me it's far better to have that information available for the insurance just to back up your claim i know from previous experience folks head to inov i-n-n-o-v-v dot co dot uk forward slash t-p-1 for more information however you contact inov please do let them know you heard them via the Brewtime podcast or via teapot one it helps me out massively i don't get any kickback off of any sales but they are a sponsor and it's always good for them to hear their traffic has been driven by me we are also sponsored by Ultimate Add-ons. Now, if you watch any of my review vids over on the Teapot One channel, you will see that the mobile phone holder is an Ultimate Add-ons one. They do these phone holders for all main mobile phones out there. They also do generic ones. They're totally waterproof, shockproof, dustproof. They have a variety of attachment systems available, so you can pretty much attach it to any bike out there, if not any vehicle out there, any place you like i use a thing called the helix locking strap which is over on the bicycle section because it allows me to attach it to a whole multitude of bikes easily and quickly i've been using these for about four years now no issues at all head to ultimateaddons.com that's ultimate with addons.com all one word ultimateaddons.com and in the checkout, use code TEAPOT110, that's T-E-A-P-O-T-O-N-E, with the number 10, for 10% off. We're also sponsored by the Influencer Store. Now, the Influencer Store helps you build your brand, big or small, providing you with a solution and apparel. We help you to increase your fan base while supporting you with starting your own influencer clothing line with nothing more than just an idea or design, and there are no hidden costs. For more info, come check us out at theinfluencerstore.co.uk or drop us an email at online at influencerstore.co.uk for more information. Now, the Influencer Store handle all the merch for Teapot One and Brewtime, so if you head to teapot1.com, head to the shop, everything there is handled by the Influencer Store. A massive shout to all of you out there in the clan over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash teapot1. You folks, you support not only the main Teapot1 channel, but you're also supporting the podcast and your questions that you pose each and every week 
really have become the meat in the two veg of this podcast. And lastly, just a personal shout out from me. Thank you to each and every one of you who are listening, to everybody who's left a rating over on Apple Podcasts. That really does help. And it's pushed us up to number four in the all-time automotive podcasts. The podcast is storming away there, folks, and it wouldn't be without you. So thank you very much for listening. All right, let's crack on with this week's episode with Ed Lawrence. Enjoy. All right, folks, welcome back to the podcast. This week, we've got Ed Lawrence. How are you doing, Ed? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me on. No problem at all, man. No problem at all. Now, folks, if you've never heard of Ed before, he has a YouTube channel called Film Booth. It's well worth checking out. If you have any sort of YouTube presence, you also handle Instagram and TikTok sort of marketing as well, I believe, don't you? On another channel, I did. On, 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 on another channel. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. So you're, you're predominantly focused then through Film Booth on, on YouTube? Yeah, making videos on YouTube specifically and trying to grow awesome. channels. And... Gotcha. Now, you, I'll get into the finer details of this, but you sort of popped up on my radar at the start of this year. And um, I, I, sort of, I sort of follow or have followed over the sort of five, six years I've been doing this. People like Daryl Eaves, uh, Tim Schmoyer, uh, Nick Nimmin, all those sorts of people. So, you know, I've, I've followed those channels. And I, I, kind of, I kind of got to the stage where I was like, okay, right, I think I, I, think I understand this. We'll, we'll keep going. But obviously, my growth's very slow. There's no, there's no massive peaks or anything. All of a sudden, you cropped up on my channel. And I was looking, and I was thinking, oh, this is, this is something new. How come, why, why have you popped up on my channel? And then all of a sudden... What I liked about your channel is that you talk about stuff, and then you can actually see you implementing it into your into your videos as they grow. So like each video is slightly different, slightly different, and you can see you're actually incorporating the techniques that you've spoken about, and your growth has just been fantastic this year, hasn't it? Yeah, in the last six weeks, I think I was I was about thirteen thousand subscribers about six weeks ago, and I've just hit 15. seriously. Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was I like didn't realize it was... people a day coming on at one point. Um, it's about seven hundred a day now, on average over the week. But yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I just changed my idea of what what a YouTube channel should be and who I was targeting, and then just yeah. thought I'll put tons of effort in rather than just minimal effort. And yeah, believe it or not, working harder works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all. It's I've I've been sat really sort of studying your vids as we go in. And as I said, I'm going to have one of these consultations with you. I'm going to book myself in for a, a consultation with you after all this. And, um, you know, on my latest couple of, of edits, which haven't been published yet, published yet, I'm trying to incorporate some of the techniques that you've spoken about. So I'm going to be interested to see how they how they transfer across to my sort of niche in the motorcycle world with, with, with my folks. But anyway, this isn't a business one-on-one. Ed, um, before we crack on and have a chat ourselves, can I throw the floor open to you just to just to go right? What's your name? Where'd you come from? What you do? How about we we start yeah. like that? Sure. So um, my name is Ed, as you already know. Uh, I'm from a place called Hertfordshire in uh, England, which is kind of like the posh bit above London, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's often referred to. Uh, um, and yeah, so I, I own a video production company in the UK. Um, and YouTube was supposed to be like a marketing platform, but I'm now just a full-time YouTube creator that happens to have a business that I don't really get involved with at all. <laughs> um, I haven't done it. My business partner looks after everything on that. And whilst I'm growing the sort of 
the channel and, and, and yeah. finding other sort of revenue sources from that. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm a full-time YouTuber now. So how, what, what got you, what got you into this thing? I mean, have, did you literally go from school into video production or what was the path <laughs> to, to get where you are? So I did, um, I was, I was some 35. So when I was at sixth form, it, it was peak go to uni or be a failure itis yep. that was around. I remember that. So yep. I was the two kids in my year that didn't go to uni, me and another one, the school called my parents in because they were so <laughs> worried about my future because I didn't want to uni. My parents lied and said, Oh no, he has applied and they didn't care. Um, yeah. and then I just, I ended up leaving school and starting a buying into like a franchise, uh, which is like a lawn care company. It's kind of random. Right. Um, so everything they do on like football pitches, fertilizer and stuff I used to do on like wealthy people in Hertfordshire's lawns. And I, I ran that yeah. for 10 years and it actually did quite well. I grew it up, but I just absolutely hated it. I couldn't stand the clients. Like I loved working outside, but I just, the way people spoke to me and like, you know, I got called the bloody lawn boy. Uh, and it was like, <laughs> it, was, it was some of the stories I have from the way people treat it was insane. And in the end, I just thought I'm either going to shut it down or sell it. And I managed to sell yeah. it. And then I thought, oh, this is good. What should I do now? And I'd always been making videos as a kid. And I thought, well, I'm just going to start a video production company and sell it to businesses um, without any, I literally had nothing but a GoPro before. So I just got yeah. on YouTube, started learning how it was done. And I was like, oh, I like this YouTube thing. It's pretty good. And then I started learning about how that worked. And yeah, I ran the production company for sort of, I was about seven or eight years old now. Um, and a couple of years ago, I thought this is, you know, it's painstaking trying to sell videos to businesses. Most of them don't understand marketing, let alone mm -hmm. video, which is quite complicated. So I was like, hmm, maybe there's a better way. So I started putting more effort into YouTube, thinking it would expand my reach to more businesses who would maybe be interested in what we do. Uh, and I was very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did that for sort of two years, three videos a week, two, two and a half years. Um, wow. And I never missed one. I was relentless on it. And I was targeting search terms. So if you don't know how YouTube works, it's basically a search engine, but it's also mm -hmm. a place where you go and have you know, stuff thrown at you. So I yeah. targeted search terms that people would put in around video marketing, um, but also YouTube and stuff. And it just turns out there's no interest on YouTube about video marketing and everything I was making. You'd release it, it wouldn't get many views. And then maybe six months later, you'd get views in search. And that's how I was growing the channel. Yeah. Um, and then I was like looking at it and I've got 8,000 subscribers. And when I release a video, I only get 90 views. That yeah. doesn't make sense. So the subscribers are dead. And then suddenly I had this sort of big change of heart and thought, this doesn't work, does it? I've just spent two years doing something that um, is just building subscribers that don't exist and I'm getting views <laughs> and this isn't going to bring in business. And I was like, I need to change something. So I sort of made a big change and that's kind of where we are today, really. Yeah, so how, like the change that you've put in place uh, has that literally just been this year? Because, like I said, I think you cropped up on my on my sort of homepage. I'm sure it was round about February, March time that you yeah, cropped March up. March third was the first video in my new sort of strategy, right? Um, so yeah, and it took 14 videos to blow up. If they, if you use the term "blow up," there's different yeah. sort of sizes of blowing up. In my niche, I've blown up, I guess, um, yeah. quite quickly, or I'm blowing up. Um, so yeah, it took 14 videos of just putting an insane amount of effort. I'm talking like 100 hours plus per video. And yeah. you know, when you release a video a week, you've got to do the maths there. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's soul destroying, isn't it? When you you put all that work into a vid, and you're like you. 
as you said, you get a tiny percentage of your subscriber base actually yeah. actually watch it. And sometimes sometimes I look at it and I'm just like, I don't understand because I don't think there's anything different in that vid compared to another similar one, which got like possibly 10 times the amount of views. And you're like, I, I, I don't know what went wrong there. <laughs> so it's interesting it's to watch your always, channel. It's nearly always the title. So traditionally mm. people are taught on YouTube, right? To make a title that the algorithm recognizes. And the algorithm yeah. will then categorize it and be like, I will show this to people interested in motorbikes, right? I've gone against that. And I'm like, screw the algorithm. I'm not using words to please that. I just want to please people. So when YouTube shows it to them, they go, that looks interesting and click on it. So if I mm -hmm. make a video about using sound effects, I know for a fact my viewers will never click on a video about sound effects and the impact it will have on their video. But if I yeah. call it, most YouTubers ignore this, but really shouldn't. <laughs> Yeah. suddenly it's like, whoa, wait, whoa, 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 what am I ignoring? And people click yeah. on stuff. So it's more about knowing people and psychology. And that's always why videos tend to fail because especially if standards generally quite high if people have been doing it a while. Mm. Um, so that was, the, it was more of a human focus, which is kind of what they do traditionally in social media. That's always been the way you did it. Like Instagram, the idea is you stop people scrolling. Yeah. And you picture up and you, you're trying to get in their head to give them something they're interested in. And basically I'd say about, you know, 90% of people probably get taught to do it the other way, which is an outdated way as far as I'm concerned. It has its uses, um, mm. but it's not the way to do it when 70% of views come from the YouTube homepage. So you should really yeah. be focusing on how do I get there? Um, and that's, yeah, that was it really. And it worked. <laughs> that's yeah, that's interesting because I have definitely been focusing on you know, the, the, the SEO side of things in the titles. Yeah, uh, That is interesting. Yeah, that'll be something to look at for sure. Um, this is very yeah, rude of me. Let's, let's crack on. open a, a little beer here. I've got a little beer to partake. Slash, I used to health. watch a lot of um, 44 Teeth, Baron Von Grumble, mm. and uh, I absolutely yep. love that channel. Um, yep. I, st I still kind of watch it every now and then, even though I've got rid of my motorbikes. Um, but yeah, I think they do things best on YouTube from all the ones I used to like watching the motorbikes. Definitely. It's proper them. entertainment, isn't it? Yeah. And that's kind of the thing. It's like you can educate or you can entertain. And those yeah. guys kind of had a, a Top Gear vibe to their like budget bike battles that Absolutely. they used to do. I used yeah, to yeah, watching definitely. that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I've, I'm, I'm actually, um, I'm a presenter on a new motorbike TV uh, show that's coming to TV end of September, I think, October. And that's very much the vibe they're going for is, is basically Top Gear for bikes. So yeah, we're going to have oh, to compete nice. with 44 Teeth for sure. So you mentioned about yeah. bikes. What's your bike history then? So my bike history was, um, I started on a Bonneville mm -hmm. uh, T100 um, and then I was basically never riding it because I work at home. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a studio which I never go into and I used to live in a little village where I just walked to Sainsbury's. So <laughs> I wasn't using my car or my bike and in the end I was yeah. like, someone tried to nick it and then I was like, oh, do you know what? I'm going to get rid of it. I'm not, I'm not riding it. And then I got rid of it and then I went to a bike garage, a Triumph garage with my mate. <laughs> <laughs> and I was looking at the speed, but it was like the new speed triple R. And the, the, the bloke was like, oh, you like that, do you? And I was like, nah, oh, yeah, I do. But, you know, I just sold my bike and uh, I'm, I'm, don't, don't, you know, I don't ride it. And he went, well, no one's taken out this weekend. Do you want to take it out? And I was like, well, seriously? And he was like, yeah, don't, don't worry about it, mate. Just feel free to take it. And I was like, I'd never been on a litre bike before. So yeah. I literally had bought it the second I got on a dual carried way because <laughs> I remember screaming, Going down it, and my, my mate was on a. He had a. He had a. He had the uh, the street triple, and I was on the speed. 
And then he got off and was like, that was amazing. And I was like, you wait till you get on this. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just walked in and I was just like, we do an offer. And he went, no. And I went, fine, I'll take it. <laughs> and, that, and that was it. And then that sat on my drive doing nothing. Uh, you know, oh, no. I, I did about 2,000 miles. And I was like, this is ridiculous. It's costing me, you know, I was paying finance on it. Yeah, um, yeah. And then I think it got to the point my dad had had like a heart attack. And, every, and I'd never really had a family member in hospital before. And I suddenly mm. saw the impact of someone like really ill. And I was just yeah. like, do you know what? I don't want to put anyone through that. I don't ride it. Let's just get rid of it. Um, yeah. And I still want one. I still look at them online and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> they've they've just brought so out a 1200. Yeah, no, I, I know. I've been looking at them. <laughs> I don't have anywhere to store it. Luckily, I bought a house about a garage, but I feel like the next house will get a garage. And, uh, yeah. and uh, you know, and my mates all said they were going to get them when I bought them, and they didn't. And I was just like, so, you know, riding around on your own is fun to a point, and mm-hmm. I don't commute. So sometimes, you know, I leave the house once a week. <laughs> yeah. You really have to sort of push yourself out there. But I, I, live, I live in the countryside, so I've got some lovely roads for it. Um, Definitely. So, yeah. I'm trying to convince I, the girlfriend, maybe. I know well. I know what you're saying. I, I used to ride every single day. I don't know if you know any of my back history. I used to be a, I was a copper in London, used to be a police officer in London. Huh. So I used to commute in and out every single day. And I, I pretty much worked seven days a week doing that. So, um, you know, and I'd just work YouTube all around about it. So I've gone from that to now like living the dream. Everyone keeps telling me where this is now my job. And I think I probably ride my bike my own bike, I probably ride once or twice a month. I think I might actually yeah. get a chance to go out on my own bike, but I'm not complaining. I'm, you know, I, I'm getting paid to to take other people's bikes out and review them, so and go on trips. Yeah. So I can't I can't complain about that. But yeah, it's, it is weird, isn't it? The, the the workload that's involved in this side of things is is just so far above what certainly what I thought it would be, and I think what what a lot of other people think this involves. Well, the problem is, is, is you start off slow because you're not very good. Now, I was kind of the worst of the worst because I'd been in production for six years. So instead, mm-hmm. of, I actually just didn't push myself. I just made average stuff because I was like, it'll do. Um, yeah. So I feel like I was like one of the biggest sinners there. But traditionally, you start off making videos. It takes ages. We get to YouTube and I can only make a video a week, week or so. And it's all their spare time to do something quite yeah. basic. And then what happens is you get better and you speed up but then you push yourself more. So you're always mm-hmm. pushing yourself. So you never really get faster because you're always striving for better. So you yep. get caught in this like loop and, and that's kind of the way it works. But yeah, it's also addictive because it's like you get fed up, like, I'm fed up making all these videos and then you release it and it does well. And you're like, <laughs> let's do another one. <laughs> it's like crack, isn't it? When, when, when it that one like video does really well, you're like, oh yes, I'm loving this. Then you release yeah. another one and it's like, oh, I had, I had 3000 views by this point on the last bit. What's yeah. going on? What's happening? <laughs> Everyone's gone off me. I'm boring. Yeah, I don't no like me anymore. Yeah. I know it's a real mental battle. Um, it's crazy well, it's that not. some people want to do it. I'm not quite sure why everyone thinks it's so glamorous. It's just, it's just like a constant stress with about five minutes of ecstasy (laughs) (laughs) I think everyone thinks you're just going to be you know private jetting everywhere and Mm. driving Bugatti Veyrons from red carpet to red carpet (laughs) yeah well I guess they look at it and go because one of the things about when you make videos so every time I go on holiday that's how I started making videos I just I take a camera and then suddenly it's like you know your holiday disappears because you're filming and stuff. And when you're mucking around with cameras and stuff, it's like you have to adjust it all the time. And especially for you on a bike, if you go out for a nice ride and film it, there's so yeah. many things you've got to think about other than riding the bike that doesn't feel like fun anymore. It's not not yeah. fun. 
but it's it distracts you from the fact that you're supposed to be out you know, on the bike feeling free but actually yeah. you're thinking is the battery left is my mic gone <laughs> yeah I could constantly I need bloody GoPros I just I don't, do you have yeah. much experience with the GoPros they're so unreliable they either crash corrupt the file or I'm having loads yeah. of issues with audio with them at the moment I have a I have a GoPro Max that I use every now and then which is like a 360 yeah. camera and yeah. that is the, I, thought, I thought it was just mine actually it's continually um, corrupting. I did a, I did yeah. a scene when I was driving around the local village and I wanted to make it look like I'd been hit by a car. And yeah, I saw that. I had to use yeah. the 360 camera because when you get hit, you can spin it around in the edits. It looks like you've been yeah. hit. And I, I did it so many times because the flipping battery went, it was like, oh, SD yeah. card corrupt. And I was like, why does this keep going wrong? I'm not even like abusing it. It's just being held. And uh, yeah, them- I'm glad it's not just me. Yeah, the, the, the forums and stuff are full of people moaning about, about GoPros for all sorts of different issues. I've um, I've just been given the new Insta360 ONE X2. I had, I'd bought yeah. the ONE X before, and I had loads of issues with that on the bike. It, it didn't do well with the vibration. It seemed to seemed to cause it to to corrupt the files and stuff with the vibration on the bike. So I tried the ONE X2, and so far that's been faultless. That's been really, really good. And it's very easy to edit in the Insta app as well. Yeah, they get a lot of good press. I was looking at getting one of the one of the Insta cameras. I'm, I'm not that big on kit. Like a lot of yeah. people love buying cameras. I have yeah. the worst camera I own. I use because the production company's got loads of kit. I don't use any of the nice stuff. I have the smallest camera. That's basically pretty much all of my clients have better kit than me. Um, <laughs> I use one lens uh, that doesn't move, which is called prime lens, and then. I have another lens that I begrudgingly put on every now and then. Um, I just try and keep it as simple as possible, but I don't mind buying GoPros, which is weird. I quite like buying them. <laughs> Cameras and other stuff, not interested at all. I know what you mean. It's weird because most people love buying that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My budget doesn't, my budget doesn't go to um, the posh DSLRs and everything like that. I've got, I literally do it on, I've got a little DJI Osmo, uh, sorry, DJI yeah. Pocket 2. Got one of them and then go pretty much GoPros on my phone. That's, and I've got the drone as well for the odd the attempt at some cinematic that, stuff. I don't think technology's hit for cameras has hit a, yeah. especially like this, our mirrorless ones, has hit like a point where I don't really see it getting that much better. It's better mm. from a professional point of view where it has like 8 bit or 10 bit and you can do more in the edit. But most people don't use that. And mm. I was watching a review of a new camera the other day and they're, like, they're raving about it. I was like, this is the same as my camera that's six years old now. It just does something slightly better and you're uh-huh. making it out like we all need it. And I was like, yeah. I wouldn't buy it because yeah. my camera, I've, the first time I use it, you know, I spilled an entire pint of beer on it at a wedding. Um, <laughs> so I know it's sturdy and it still works. The buttons though, they're all stuck down. And uh, sometimes it sort of malfunctions. But I was like, you know what? That's great build quality. You're not going to get in a cheap one, but you know, this, uh, a new cheap camera that's made out of plastic. Mine's still got a metal case. So I'm going to hold on to that for as long as I can. Definitely. <laughs> Did you go down the wedding the wedding video route as well? I know a lot of creators. No, this was just that. a friend of mine. I bought this right. new camera and I thought I'll bring it. It was in Italy, so I was like, I'll make yeah. a little video with it because basically this camera it was an A6500. It's called and it had like a cool slow mo setting. And I was yeah. like, oh yeah, shoot stuff in slow mo. <laughs> and I took it to the wedding and we were dancing around at night. And I just I dropped the camera on the floor <laughs> and went to pick it up. I had a full pint, and of course I just poured the pint over it. And I was like, oh, it survived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so but i'm literally using it now actually the camera you can see on now is the camera that had the pint on it <laughs> you just get that warm stale beer smell as it heats up 
Yeah, but that makes you know makes you more productive. <laughs> <laughs> makes you feel like you're in the pub. Out. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I've, I've got some mates that. Sorry, go on, go on. There's a bit of a delay. Oh, Apologies. On. I was just saying. Sorry, I, I, was... I know. Okay, <laughs> I know a couple of other creatives who, like YouTubers, who started their sort of their content creation just filming people's weddings with no idea and they just started filming weddings and i'm like i i couldn't handle that pressure <laughs> i mean it doesn't matter if yeah. i muck up my vid when i'm on a bike i can i can kind of reshoot but you can't reshoot a wedding can you i did one for my friend when i first started the production company uh i did two i, I did like mates ones so i'd never charged them and the first one i did um i had the camera and they you know like i, I they used to have these uh, giant hard drive. The camera's amazing. Yeah. Massive hard drive on the side. And I shot the wedding and I had two cameras. And I got home and the hard drive had corrupted. So I'd lost oh, the majority of footage. And I was like, no. Oh. I know. But Whoops. the good thing about that is, and this is what as I've always found um, is the best way to get good at making videos, is my whole life, because I wasn't very good at filming, but I've been editing for longer. I always found ways of getting around my rubbish filming and things that went wrong. So mm -hmm. I was like, well, what do I have? And I had the best man. I had the, I had his speech and um, I had loads of photos and then I had some shots. So I was like, well, I can't make this like montage thing. So I just used his speech and then I animated loads of photos. It's called a 3D parallax. Uh -huh. We like bring the photo so it, it looks like it's 3D and then use right. the footage. And they absolutely loved it. They had no idea I lost all the footage. Um, but it sort of forced you to think like, well, this is all I've got and I've got to make a wedding video and I've deleted the most you know, wonderful day of their life. Um, I need to make it work. And, and that's, that's kind of like a great way to learn is like give yourself a really angry bride <laughs> and then you'll edit better. Absolutely, yeah. But you won't survive if you don't, will you? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, in terms of the skills that you've got just now, then, I mean, how did you how did you learn all of this? Has it literally been trial and error as you went, or you know, what was the really process? Know. I'm just, I don't really know where half of this stuff I make has come from. It's, sometimes I surprise myself with what I make. I'm like, oh, that was quite good. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I guess I started making videos when I was. 14 on my dad's 80s camera that we found yeah. in the attic uh, it, had it was like eight tapes and it didn't have a battery so we used to plug it into the mains and then we had mm. like a like a ghetto blaster that we used to put outside for the backing track okay. and we you sound so old yeah <laughs> so we had it there we'd put like a tape or a cd on and we'd yeah. have that as, so someone's job would be to start the music then we'd do our like acting um and then we couldn't edit, so we'd have to watch it back and then pause as quick, exactly in the right spot to film the next scene. Right. And that's kind of where it started. And then wow. I, don't know, I think I think I discovered that Dad bought a a, a, a Mac. We had we always had Max, and I discovered iMovie, and I was like, oh, mm. I can edit. And then Dad bought me a camera, and then I just filmed everything. I was always making stupid little videos of my mates, always. Yeah. And then I started traveling. I think in 2009 I went to Japan and I took a thing called a flip which was like pre-GoPro, compact thing. I, I walked around vlogging um, and I made a video and put it on Facebook and everyone was like, what are you doing? This is like oh, in 2009. Like walking around. Yeah, they were like, you're talking to yourself, walking around the street. Yeah. Like, are you yeah, serious? Yeah, yeah. Like, this is weird, mate. Like, pack it in. I remember being so, I was like, why is this weird? Why is everyone getting at it? And it really stopped me from doing it because I'd actually put, yeah. a I'd put a video on YouTube and um, someone commented on it like a stranger and I was like oh my gosh people have watched my video and I deleted it 
because I was like, back then, if you put something on, people would see it. And I was like, what the? And I, and I, it's the, my biggest mistake I ever met made was listening to other people. Yeah tell me that vlogging was stupid because I would have yeah. become a travel vlogger. I know yeah, I would exactly. have done it because every yeah, yeah. holiday. And then when I started going away with my mates, I just, um, I used to do it and it got to the point where they were like, oh yeah, like can we make him a holiday video? And then we went to Marbella one year. Um, I had a GoPro with a selfie stick and we were getting this like posh beach club um, and where it's really pretentious. And I was walking around with a selfie stick and a GoPro, right? And then again, my mate's super embarrassed. Like, oh my God, no one had ever seen a selfie stick before. It's yeah. just me. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it was, it was a train set, just like pouting. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then my mates were so ashamed. They were like, mate, stop you embarrassing us. And I made the video and I edited it and I put it on YouTube. And then I looked the next day and 13,000 views. And I was like, Bloody what? Hell. And the club had picked it up and shared it and it had got traction. And I was just like, maybe I could do this as a job. And I just kind of like, learn from there really um but it's always just been playing around and it's been in something i've done forever just Mm -hmm. fun um so it's kind of seemed natural to try and get paid for it (laughs) definitely i had a i had a chap on the podcast a month or so ago a chap called johnny he's he goes by one step forward is his sort of tag on social media and he's a professional travel vlogger. And he started, I think in his mid-20s, he just, I think he just started a blog, you know, like a traditional um, written blog online. And he's now he now makes millions a year off of it. It's incredible, off of advertising and brand deals and everything that goes with it. So now he's just a, prof- a professional sort of traveler. He's been to every single yeah. country in the world, all off of the back of wandering around, talking to a camera and taking some pics and videos. Like, wow. I think, that is my, uh, I think that is my dream. I'm going to start. Mm. I've got, um, yeah, I, I kick myself for not taking that more seriously, but it, it, you wouldn't have known to. It was at a time where it was weird. You know, mm-hmm. like it, to the weird where it used to offend people that I did it. Like, <laughs> so doing that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was like, do you know what? Like, there's always time to do it. And I've got, um, I'm going to go to Spain for three months. With my girlfriend, we've just hired an Airbnb. We're going to buy a camper van. We're going to drive down there. And oh, my fantastic. Got, like, large um, Instagram. She's got about a quarter of a million followers. And I was wow. like, we should just vlog this and turn it into our travel thing and just see what happens. Yeah because both of us have got distribution and I had to make videos, you know, she's mm-hmm. up for it. And I was like, well, I might just do a thing is I, my problem I have is I don't want to be full entertainment. I quite like educating, um, which is kind of weird, but I feel like maybe it just takes the stress off trying to be, in, you know, if you don't entertain someone, you know, they're going to be disappointed if you, yeah, you, know, yeah. you educate people usually. So I might do like a, a remote travel thing based on remote working and sort of building yeah. a business overseas um so we'll see but it's just time and you know that means obviously i need a drone <laughs> to try and get like cool shots you know to follow the van and stuff so um i i feel like one day i've got it in me um but yeah they're really lucrative if you get them right and they can just become gigantic that's yeah, just definitely. time i wish i had 48 hours in a day unfortunately i don't <laughs> how do you how do you find that then the, the balance between you know, running your business, starting the new wing of the business with YouTube that you have now, and then obviously you have a, f- a home life with your with your missus, your girlfriend as well. Uh, have you managed to get the balance as yet? Because I know that's something I really struggle with personally. 
No, we, we don't have a balance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm quite lucky that so all my past relationships fell apart because all I did was work. And yeah. I like working. Like the, the, the yeah. problem I have is people don't understand that when you do your hobby as a job and they're like, stop working. I was like, well, if I was working in some for someone else, nine to five, this is what I would be doing now. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. just think it's work. But I've yeah. always been making videos, right? So um, she's a content creator. So you know, California fires up at the end of the day. So she gets bombarded with messages. Um, so she's always managing that. She's got clients around the world. So we kind of do it together. Like I helped her grow mm. a business last year. So she lost she lost her entire business. She was a yoga teacher in person, right? Um, and we've since transformed her into like an online yoga Magura account a ton over lockdown uh, it's just wow. full time and like that's i think she went she went from sixty thousand followers on instagram making no money at all to sort of uh a year later full-time kind of caught uh, two hundred eighty thousand followers uh very well known like and respected online yoga teacher that's, incredible. <laughs> that's been amazing but yeah, yeah the work-life balance thing we've got a holiday tomorrow because neither of us had any time off for two years and it'll be the first time in two years we've We'll switch off um mm-hmm. which is good because i know how good i'll feel when i get back but at the same time i say to her at night she's like we should stop working i'm like what do you want to do sit and watch netflix yeah. a show that neither of us are interested in it's like yeah, we'll no, go, yeah. go for a walk and we go and do that but at the end of the day we do something we genuinely enjoy like you yeah. know she's doing the thing she's passionate about so people say about the work-life balance thing and and really what we do is we sit downstairs in the evening on our laptops and we do what I would, I'm using quotation fingers here for the listeners. We do work um, that is doesn't feel like work. It's the fun yeah. stuff, the really laid, laid back stuff, and there'll be something on in the background. Yeah. Um, I got a VR headset recently, actually. That's amazing for switching off because you can't get distracted. Yeah, I go fishing in it. I learned to DJ. <laughs> I go, I've discovered a whole world of crazy out there. I went whoa, whoa, to whoa. Uh, you, you learned to DJ. Yeah, you have oh my VR is one of the most insane experiences. Um, I can't believe it's not bigger. I got this headset and like my mind was blown. So there's just like <laughs> I, you, there's a game called Tribe, and you put the headset on and you've got a set of decks. And this is just a real set of decks that professional DJs use. Um, and then you've got a man in front of you who's who in real life is a professional DJ coach. So it's all pre-recorded. Right. So this is like on demand. He teaches you how to DJ and you can download other DJ coaches. Then it gets even weirder. So I was on it one night and you can download um, songs from all over the place, plug them in. So you just sit a DJ, which is such a great therapeutic way of switching off. Um, and you really get into it. And I was like, this is so much fun. And then I was like, well, what's this button? I clicked on it. And I was on the opposite side of the decks now, and I was looking at this little figure that was on the decks, and this, this, this suddenly this bloke just went, sorry, mate, I'll be with one minute, I'm just lining up my tunes. And I was like, I'm in his audience, it's just me. So wow. you can host events in it that people come and you know watch the DJ. <laughs> went to a Snoop Dogg concert the other night, that was weird. <laughs> Um, just walked into a foyer of this room and you have like an avatar so you pick what you want to look like in the virtual yeah, world yeah. and I didn't know what to pick so I ended up as like this Japanese anime woman uh, with a really <laughs> short skirt and I, I was like I don't know what I've done why, why do blogs always do that? blogs always do that <laughs> I didn't mean to do it right and I walked into this foyer which is Stop like touching yourself yeah into, I know you know, <laughs> yeah. you know like the O2 right where before you go into the stadium there's this like big uh, if you like music events there's like the foyer before yeah the, the music event there's this and then yeah. there's different doors left and right and I walk down it 
and this is vent on the left and the right. There's people chatting. You can hear him talking in the corridor to strangers. And my character was bent over, couldn't get it to stand up straight. I pushed a button. So my butt's hanging out of this short skirt. Everyone's like, <laughs> what are you doing? And then I go to the right and I'm in a Snoop Dogg concert and you turn to the right and there's people dancing who are actually there watching it with you. Um, and then I went back down the road in, into this little room and there's always records on the wall. And I was like, this is weird. And I'm this little Japanese sort of anime woman. And then yeah. this gigantic Winnie the Pooh walks past me, really <laughs> muscly. There's a little kid, high-pitched voice, like, oh, can't you stand up straight, mate? And it's a karaoke um, bar. And there's, there's people duetting together, putting on songs. And I was just like, what is this world I've discovered? It's amazing. Are you and sure you haven't been fish- munching some funny cookies? <laughs> Do you know what? It feels like that. But it's unbelievable. Like, I can't believe how entertaining it is. And then the other day, I just downloaded a fishing game. I was like, I need to relax. <laughs> So I popped on my headset and I'm just there catching tuna. And the great thing is you don't have to touch fish or go on or gets hurt. And I'm just like, this is great fun. So that's, if you can't switch off, get one. I'm going to go all Joe Rogan on you here because he talks about this all the time, doesn't he? About like in the future, we're now becoming so reliant on technology on our phones and everything's getting so immersive that he's convinced and worryingly, so, so is Elon Musk, that we're eventually just going to be plugged in you know, like full on the yeah. matrix and you'll just experience life virtually, like whatever you need to be done. It'll well, just the, it'll be done virtually. I, I'm well into this. So I, I'm, I'm all into the sort of metaverse, which is yeah. why I bought the, um, the, um, and the whole blockchain side behind it as well, which is going to support yeah. it. So <laughs> that's why I bought the headset because I, I started finding all these blockchain companies. Like I found a, um, because of COVID, I was I like I hadn't been to a festival. I love music festival. I hadn't been to it for ages. Mm. I was just like oh, this is depressing. And I found this project that's getting built called Sonium Space. Right. Um, no, it's Sonium Space Sensorium. It's called right. And there's a if you've ever been to Glastonbury, there's a stage called Arcadia, which is like this gigantic spider that fires flames. It's a rave. It's insane. I right. love it. And um, it, I was just like I was missing that because I've been to Glastonbury for like six or seven years in a row, and I found this event, and they're basically building this world which is like a gigantic rave. And uh, Jay-Z has like gone in on this and there's different music events. And the idea will be is they, they put David Guetta, who's a DJ in this like yeah. cage, right? And they put 30,000 cameras pointing at him and he DJed and they are literally monitoring the way his lip moves and they're building this avatar. So you will go into a David Guetta concert in the metaverse with other people, but you will be in this like apocalyptic arena with like the most amazing light show you've ever seen. And you'll be at an event. And it's amazing for musicians and people like that because, like, you know, the music industry especially has been really hit hard. And, of course, you yeah. know, Napster and then Spotify yeah, destroyed, yeah. Uh, you know, record sales. This will be yeah. a whole new thing where it'll be like, well, they'll tour. But, lads, on, a fr- on Friday, do you want to go to, you know, this concert? It's 30 quid. We'll download it. We'll go together, uh, you know, um, because, or, wow. or even just on like a Tuesday night. So like the idea yeah, of Netflix yeah. and stuff, I think, well, what would I rather do? Go and watch like a classic U2 concert from, yeah. from the 80s that, you know, went that in history or watch EastEnders. And it yeah. just feels like a no-brainer. So it's definitely going that way. Um, I think a lot of people are worried it's going to replace real life. I don't know mm. if you'll get to that. But already, like, I can have a business meeting with my business partner. We put on the VR headset. We meet in a room. And we can have boards with notes on you can collaborate remotely you know you can write on the whiteboard and you can do productivity meetings like productive wow. meetings so I, I i feel like um what i find weird is this isn't as well known 
Because I mm. go on it, I literally just sit on it in the evening looking at stuff like, this is this is crazy where this is going. Um, yeah. Because I feel like, you know, you know, the internet took a lot of attention away from television. And I feel like VR and the metaverse and all the things, these little worlds that are getting built is just going to start taking attention away from social media and yeah. the internet and all of these things. And it, it is the next revolution. And whether or not we Absolutely. get plugged in or not, um, but it's, it's, it's mind blowing. I think you can get an Oculus for like 300 pounds. And I just, oh, I reckon within about a week, I'd had more than enough like money's worth. Like I had return <laughs> on investment because just from my mind bling, being blown, it was amazing. Wow. And what's it like, like coming back to the, to the real world then once you've been in that, that 3d world, I've never experienced any of that. What's, is, is there any sort of, because you're right. Obviously the 3d world is so bright. Mm. Um, so everything is like, you know, kind of cartoony. So you take it off and you're kind of like, Oh, it's a bit weird in the real world. Um, <clears throat> now the only problem is right now is, so think about how your eyes work. So if you look at an item, your eyes focus on it and then everything else behind it goes blurry. Problem with the mm. VR headset right now is they are deciding what's blurry and what's in focus. Gotcha. So the whole depth of perception, you can mm. get a bit of a headache in certain things because the stuff you're looking at is blurry. Um, right. But I believe they're working on eye monitors now to monitor where you're looking and so on, so that they can then bring things into focus, so that you then could start like a natural to, um, eye. Yeah, because yeah, some, some, some like of the, the games and stuff, it's like, you know, 20 minutes of playing it and you're like, oh, I feel sick. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some are fine, but once they've sorted that, uh, and, and they're kind of too bulky, I think if they get to mm. the stage where it's like a, a contact lens um, or, or a, you know, just a pair of glasses, then wow. that would be fine. But it is incredible. I'd highly recommend this to anyone. I, I couldn't quite believe how much, like amazed I was by it. <laughs> I'm 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 still laughing at the fact you decided your character would be a Japanese anime girl with a very short well, skirt. Is, I, I I was kind of like I want to go in and it's asked me to pick characters. So I was just like yes 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 yes. Of course you are. Yeah, of course. Other people in there, and I'm like sitting there bent over with my bum out. <laughs> oh no! How did this happen? Yeah, I know. Meet your stepdad. Oh hello. Yeah, but it's it's I, I, yeah I, I'm I'm really excited for all that stuff. Um, hey, this this brings uh, us neatly on then the future of YouTube. Where do you think it's going to go? Towards that, um, there are some threats on the horizon. So that everything's being decentralized at the moment. So the whole blockchain thing and the idea behind that is that YouTube at the moment has the power, right? And mm -hmm. the whole idea is between a lot of blockchain projects. If you look at um, like finance, you know they want to get rid of banks, and the idea mm -hmm. being that there's just this giant pool of money that the people own. And you just put money in and out and, you know, you can eliminate, you could decentralize stuff. So Amazon could vanish technically because you could start a shopping website that the people own um, and you would own the token of that, which is like the currency. And that's how they build up capital in it to make it work. Okay. But there's no right. one actually controlling it. Okay. So that's kind of the thing that's starting to grow quite a lot online. What, so there's something. What could go wrong there? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, interestingly, it's... Um, so there's, there's a couple of things that I look at. There's one called Uniswap, which is like a currency exchange for cryptocurrency. And that's um, mm. that's kind of decentralizing how cryptocurrency get back and forth. So there, there's plenty of things that can go wrong, but they're growing very, very rapidly. And yeah. if you think about it like this, if they got Amazon, a competition to the point where no one owns it, 
Mm. So there's no, you know, the, the, the fat cut that Bezos takes wasn't there. Yeah. And um, the transaction fees were low and stuff like that. Like, how could Amazon compete? So, mm. you know, it, it's a long way off this, but there's something called Theta, um, which is the guy who started YouTube has gone in. It's a, again, it's a, it's a decentralized video platform um, with the idea being that there isn't a head honcho like there is on YouTube. And you mm-hmm. see a lot in the comments on YouTube that, People get fed up with YouTube being like, you know, change ad revenue and they can censor stuff. And yeah, that's, you know, that's have, quite a concern at the, the moment. Same. Yeah. Yeah. So the, this would be, well, no one runs it. No one's making mm. those decisions. It's literally just, and, and the way it works is, is everyone hosts it themselves. So you can become uh, someone who basically kind of like um, gives access to almost your like computer power. Um, mm. so that this device, uh, all the content can be shared around the world from multiple devices that all pull together. And that eliminates yeah. the need like YouTube to actually store it. Yeah. Um, and that could potentially overthrow it because if that became super duper popular, um, you know, and people didn't want this whole kind of like centralized approach, then yeah, YouTube can't decentralize itself. So if that yeah. was the thing that then society went, we only want decentralized stuff could potentially just vanish. What's mm. likely to happen is uh, just it's just going to grow <laughs> more and more because it's it's you know it's I don't watch much television. Not many of my mates do. I don't watch much Netflix. You know, yeah. and I think the great thing about YouTube was it opened the world. You know, I think years ago in England we had four or five choices of what to watch in the evening on TV. Yeah, you know, on Channel Four, One, Two, Three, Five, whatever. Uh, and this is just main mean anyone can learn absolutely anything whenever they like and just watch what they're interested in whenever they like as much yep. as they like. And it's like, how can that ever lose? So yeah. as long as YouTube themselves don't muck it up and annoy people to the point where they want to leave or another platform mm-hmm. doesn't appear that just overthrows it. Um, then yeah, I just, I can't really see it doing anything other than grow. Now it does have a VR arm to it. And at the moment, Mark Zuckerberg is very big on this whole metaverse and VR thing. He's investing heavily in it, right. uh, which is a worry because Mark Zuckerberg, I don't really want Facebook controlling the future because I can't stand yeah. them like as, as a corporation. <laughs> so I, I'd love to see YouTube trying to get their VR stuff pushed more actually, because imagine how cool it would be if you wanted to learn about a new camera or a setup or a studio setup and you were in the room with them and they were like, okay, look here, you know, put the light here and so on. And like I had with my DJ experience, it it would just take it to a whole new level. So I'd like it to go that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's either boom or bust really. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing in the middle. (laughs) I think what you were talking about, about, you know, the, um, the sort of, well, it's, it's, it's a very socialist, um, uh, platform when you th- when you think about what you were talking about how no like the new Amazon where nobody actually owns it and there's not a big profit cut from it it all sounds great it all sounds like ideal but do you not think human nature as happens in all business when somebody realizes there's a demand for it they also realize we can make a shit ton of money out of this and somebody will always be in there going okay we'll 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 get our little slice here do you not think that would just happen. I know that happens now. So the way that it tends to happen with these sort of uh, decentralized things is they all have their own like cryptocurrency, right? So if we use Uniswap as an example, um, this is where you can 
So uh, if, if with a cryptocurrency, you have something like Coinbase. And if you're used to stocks and shares, that's the cryptocurrency version of Hargreaves Lansdowne, uh, probably right. at the moment, as close as it can get to it. So if I want to sell Bitcoin, I have to put it to them and then they pair it with someone who wants to buy it, right? Mm-hmm. So if there's mm-hmm. no buyers or sellers, you can't really do much about it. And what happens is you pay a fee for that service. So Coinbase right. say, thank you, that's 2% for us arranging that. A decentralized yeah. version of that is, there's this gigantic pot of money and if I want to sell my Bitcoin, it just I just sell it to the pot and it pings it back out to me because there's so much money in. But the money has to appear from somewhere. So that yeah. money appears from the people. So I say, you can have my Bitcoin. That's fine. But I want APR. And at the moment, what happens is you put some of these cryptocurrencies, you put money into these pools, you can get an APR of 300%. Because the people are trying to get your money in there because yeah, then you, yeah. get, uh, you get a cut of the transaction fee. So there are right. people out there that are making a crazy amount of money just through these pools, wow. as they're called already, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. a legitimate way of doing it. And it funds everything and helps it to be decentralized. So mm-hmm. there's actually a way of doing it now, which is legit. The, the, the problem, like you said, is if suddenly something happens, and I think the other day a network got hacked called Poly, which is a blockchain, and they stole 350 million uh, dollars oh. worth oh. of money from lots of people. Yeah. Um, and that's a bigger issue because that's gone. <laughs> that's never yeah. coming back because it's all anonymous. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, like the whole decentralized thing is exciting and terrifying at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it sort of blows my mind, really. You know, I'm 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 only 44, but sometimes I feel like I'm 94 when I my, my mind just struggles to to sort of. Uh, appreciate just how far out of touch I think maybe I am with, with the current developments and what's going on. I kind of just, all of a sudden, talking with you, I'm suddenly now aware of this whole sort of other culture that's going on that I didn't really have any real apprehension of at all. And you're like, shit, I need to. If if I'm not doing work on YouTube, I'm looking at blockchain and virtual reality and the future. Mm. Because I was like, look, you're like, right now what we've got is Web3 on the way. And just like everyone laughed at me about vlogging when <laughs> I was a kid, I got into websites. And I remember people being like, why do you have a website? And I was, it was such a weird thing to do. Like we had, we had like a computer at school and I'd found a way of making, getting on the web. And it was really discouraged because it was odd. And back then the web was the thing that the criminals went on to steal your credit cards and you should never yeah, buy anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm looking at it and, and there's always people talking about you know, there's, there's all sorts of things like NFTs and then cryptocurrency. People are like, oh, it's weird. It's dangerous. It's criminal. And I was like, this is happening again. And and I'm old enough now to do something about it. So I was yeah. like, I just need to get in here and learn as much. Yeah. And since February, yeah, yeah. every night, all I've done is just research. And I'm like, because I don't want to miss out on, you know, I feel like the internet is going to look small compared to what's mm-hmm. coming. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be like that thing, like the television. You know, we look at that now and we're just like, oh, it's a television. It's going to be like, oh, yeah. that's the internet. And it's yeah. going to seem so boring. And I was like, but I want to be one of the early people because I yeah. don't want to miss out on an opportunity. I don't know what the opportunity I'm- is yet. But, but when, it, when it goes, it will go quickly, won't it? It'll just be like a wave. You see it so many times with technology. Thing, things are nowhere to be seen. No one's talking about it. Then you just hear about it from the odd little person. It's just on the horizon, isn't it? And then before you know it, bang, there yeah. it is. Woof, and there's this huge tidal wave of this next wave of technology that comes in. But by that point, it's too late, isn't it, to jump on that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I look at some of the investments and stuff going on, and I follow a lot of people on Twitter, 
And I, yeah. I, I follow a bloke and I think he must make about a million dollars a day at the moment in, in investments oh in different projects, um, wow. just buying and selling stuff. Um, and it's crazy. It's like the wild west of things going off and, and happening. And it, there's just this whole world of nerds <laughs> that are just sort of building all this crazy stuff. Um, and, it, and people invest in it. And then, you know, it's kind of like boom or bust. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, I just think like if you, if you, if I think right now it's like if you have a job, and you're not really interested in, you don't really know what you're going to do. So like just look mm. into blockchain or VR or augmented reality and this stuff, because you don't have to make it, but you could be involved with it. And I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, if you got involved with a massive internet company as a marketing representative, or even like the, you know, an accountant at the start, by the mm-hmm. time it became Amazon, you know, you're sitting on shares and an insane yeah. amount of money and it's yeah, all just brewing again now. <laughs> and the, 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 like you said the wealth you know everyone thought bezos got rich quick i just feel like the kid the kid who invented the ethereum blockchain i feel like his wealth is just gonna like make bezos's look like it took forever um, yeah, yeah, yeah. because like you said the wave's gonna hit and it's gonna it's all yeah. gonna kick off everything's so much quicker these days isn't it it all happens <laughs> yeah. so much quicker speaking of which yeah. we've got about 15 minutes left before you need to go. We haven't started any questions yet. Are you all right if we fire over and yeah, batter through some of these questions? Away. Awesome. Right. First off, we'll go to the clan over on Patreon. So it's patreon.com forward slash teapot one. First one, Pete English. Hi, guys. Hope you're both fitting well. My question to you both, what three things do you regard are the most valuable to you and your career? He always goes deep. He either goes deep or obscure, Pete. Ooh. Three things your regards most valuable to you or your career. When he says valuable, <laughs> like what sense are we getting at here? Like what, whatever, whatever you deem as the most valuable, whether that's like personally or uh, financially, monetary, whatever, yeah, whatever I you think, think. Travel, travel is my top one. So the last mm-hmm. couple of years have been painful because every year since I left school, I have had like a long haul holiday, like an adventure. Mm-hmm. Like I've done, like I spent three weeks in Namibia driving around on defenders oh, sleeping awesome. on the roof. And like, and like every year I try and have one of these like once in a lifetime trips and, yeah. and that's gone. Um, and that's kind of been my thing. So that, that is why I work really is so that I can just, if I want to travel, I don't care how much it costs. I'm doing it. Um, mm-hmm. and that's kind of my biggest driver. Um, after that, probably just creativity, Generally, I, I like making stuff, um, and that's what keeps me entertained and going. Like, I'm, I mm. quite like making my videos and then watching them back, and I laugh. And I'm like, I get yeah. a kick out of trying all those things. And then um, probably just you know, friendships as well. I, I've, a lot of yeah. my friends I've known since I was seven at mm. school, and we still have a mate. Mate, I'll be seeing later tonight and I've known him since I was seven and we've still hang around like we're school kids every weekend <laughs> Mega. Brilliant. yeah I think for me I, I think first and foremost for me it's it's in it sounds a bit cliched but it's integrity kind of for me I've worked really hard on my channel to to sort of hopefully people that follow the channel realize that your word means something, you know? So like for me, if I review something and recommend it, my integrity has got to stand up to it because if I recommend something and it's dog shit, then nobody's going to believe anything you say in the next bit or the next review, are they? So for me, like integrity is sort of, 
everything really for 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 my channel. I kind of if people don't believe me, then I'm I'm failing miserably. I think, and and in life as well, you know, my my friends and family. I kind of hope, I kind of hope they they think I'm somebody with with integrity. I don't know. <laughs> um, and family and friends. I think that's the the three things that that I really value. To be perfectly honest, after after losing my mom, it was you know my mom said to me before she died, look after those that you love, but but live your life and. That's pretty much how I've lived my life ever since, really. Took me on this journey and here we are. <laughs> right, next one. Stephen Holmes. Hi, chaps. As a budding amateur vlogger, primarily for my own hobby pleasure, I would love to improve the quality of my material. I use iMovie at the moment. Is it worthwhile investing in better software or is this money poorly spent? Uh, P.S. My channel is Steve Sherlock, and I'd Sherlock, and I'd welcome any hints. <laughs> nice plug, Steve. So, um, is it worth investing in the software, or should he invest his money somewhere else? So, the software now, like I started on iMovie, and then the natural shift is to Final Cut, and it's actually quite easy mm. to learn the interface. Well, yeah. It was they changed it. Um, yeah. I probably wouldn't do that now. I'd probably invest in a powerful computer and then I'd mm -hmm. probably just start on Res DaVinci Resolve, which is like free, free and the free yeah. version of it is professional. And then you can upgrade to like get even more professional features if you want. Yeah. <coughs> but like, I look at me, I'm like, how is this free? Like it's up, some of the stuff it can do. It's just incredible. You get industry yeah. standard color grading software. So like they literally mm -hmm. use it in Hollywood and you can get mm -hmm. it for free. Um, but you need a powerful computer. And it's the same with any uh, anything you upgrade to. You're going to need a powerful computer. So what you want is, before you upgrade your computer, especially if you're on a Mac, buy three hard drives, mm -hmm. okay? So external hard drives. And never, ever run your editing library, which is basically that holds all data off your computer. So on iMovie, you can save your... Um, and this will speed up iMovie anyway. You can, when you make a new library, which is like a whole new project, it asks you where you want to save it. Save it to an external hard drive. And then on yeah. another hard drive, save all of your clips. And then uh, I don't know if iMovie will have it, but there's another thing called cache, which is like every time you make a, uh, a cut or anything like that, it like saves a bit of data and that gets really big. Save that on another hard drive and that mm. will free up your computer to do as much work as possible. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would say, yeah, invest in a computer. The thing is, my iMac, which is like top of the range, if I don't do that system with the hard drives, it still can't edit my videos, still just crashes. Yeah. So yeah, it's crazy, hard drives it? and computers. <laughs> yeah, I found that. I um, That was like a revelation for me, the discovering <laughs> that you could, on Final Cut, you can keep your library that you're working from. You can keep that on an external hard drive. And I put it on a little SSD. So I've, I've got a couple yeah. of two terabyte SanDisk SSD drives. God, as you said, just... I can edit. I used to. I used to make. Um, oh God, what are they called? You know the low res files of it. Uh, uh, what are they called? Oh, proxy. Proxies. Yeah, I used to make proxies of everything, which took days. You know, when you've got four or five cameras and drones and four K footage and all, that. It took forever to to generate all these proxies. But now, working off the SSD drive, I can work straight off of the the original files. But um, do you think? I mean, do you do you suggest investing in in the kit or just learn how to use what you've got? The thing is, if you buy if you keep rubbish kit, you end up working out how to fix your problems in the edit. So, for example, mm. um, some people, you know, if it doesn't look good, 
then it's like, well, all right, it doesn't mean it's game over. Maybe I could turn this into the fact that it looks rubbish into part of the story and be like, yeah. all right, I'm going to add extra effects, static and stuff, and make it feel like this video part of the video is supposed to be shot, you know, on a security camera or something like that. Yeah. So there's always ways around bad kit. Um, and again, I, I when I look at TikTok and I spend hours laughing at stuff, no one's filming anything good. No one's, you know, the production value is rubbish. Yeah. but it works. So you spend the time on working out how to be more entertaining and get your message out there. Um, the kit's great, but I mean, you'll never not want to upgrade your kit. It's like motorbikes. The second mm-hmm. you buy a motorbike, you want another one that's <laughs> faster <laughs> or, you know, bigger or whatever. Like it, it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. So I think, you know, the, the computer is important um, and it will help you then get the kit. But if you buy the kit, and it's filming and it's bigger data, your computer's not going to be able to put up with it. Your editing software is going to struggle. So it feels like you kind of need that first if you've only got one thing. And everything's yeah. going to speed up if you do that anyway. You'll be editing your phone shot footage and being like, oh, this is so much easier. And when it's easier and quicker, you're going to get better at it. Absolutely. And and Stephen, uh, there is a whole... I mean, as Ed was saying earlier, you can literally go on YouTube and, and search any topic can't you like how how to edit faster how to set up my mac to edit final cut pro faster how to film better you know it's just absolutely anything you can find the information can't you and somebody somewhere's made a video about it <laughs> yeah it's, there's, there's not much on youtube that isn't covered <laughs> no no and if you find it make a video about if you find something that's not covered Make a video about it because <laughs> you'll do yeah, really well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> There's your new job. <laughs> there you go. Rob Bignall, I both, myself and my missus, both ride bikes and have nearly created a year's worth of videos to hopefully release one every two weeks as of the end of September. Will this keep the YouTube gods happy or should we aim for more frequent vids? Ah, the frequency question. What's your thoughts? Um, why did you create a year's worth of content and then not release anything? <laughs> I don't know. That's my thought. It's <laughs> like, so get it out there, make it, release it, get it out there. It's great to batch. I'm always going to advocate batch production. So if you don't ever produce one video, produce like four, as many as you can. Um, That's the problem look, I make. I, mean, I had a I had Hillier Smith on my channel the other day. It's Hillier Smith's Logan Paul's editors. And he's like known in the YouTube community as, like, as the YouTube editor, like yeah. he's like the top, top of your game. And he summed it up really well. He was like, look, YouTube's like a, a beach. And basically you've got to cover the beach with a wave. So you either have loads of little waves that you release on a regular basis and that will cover the beach. And, you know, you release it and then it fades and you release another one and it fades. Or you make a tidal wave and that the impact of that video is massive. And that tidal wave spreads across the beach and it's so powerful it goes all over the land, but eventually that will fade again. Mm-hmm. And that's, the best way to describe this is like go big on your videos and try and create something epic that you know really shocks people and surprises them and they love um or be consistent and do something once a week you know mm-hmm. now the problem is not everyone can create a tidal wave so the majority of people need to start off um you know doing more regular content but i would say for most channels once a week is plenty i did three a week and mm-hmm. Do you know what I've realized recently is no one's anticipating the release from the channel that does three videos a week in the Mm -hmm. same way they are uh, someone like Logan Paul who hasn't posted for a month and then suddenly he releases something and there's like news articles about the fact that this guy's posted a video. 
because yeah. it's, it's like special. So there's, there's part of that too. But I think if it's the start of your journey, you need to learn a lot and you need to make tons of mistakes and you yeah. need to find out what your audience is interested in. And when you release something, you just look at the data. So, you, you know, basically at the start, just do what you can <laughs> and then it's, and it's, perfect things. Yeah. It's difficult, isn't it, to begin with? Because to begin with, nobody will watch. You know, you, you'll post a video out there and you might get 10 views, maybe. You might could be lucky. You could get a couple hundred. You could you could be really lucky and and just smash it from the word go. But 99.9% .9 of people, it's like that first thousand subs is tough, isn't it? It's really tough to yeah. get that first thousand for sure. And as you said, that's the time when you just you just popping out your content and you learn from it. You, you watch it. You see what you don't like or read the comments if, you, if you're lucky enough to get comments. Read the comments and see what people are saying about your videos and, and amend it accordingly. And over time, as Ed says, you build up your own niche, don't you? Your own little community that like you and like the content you are provided. And, uh, yeah, and that's how you go. A lot of the advice out there is to like go and copy bigger channels. But what I've mm. noticed recently is there's a lot of bigger channels that don't know what they're doing. And I look at mm. them and I analyze them and I'm like, this isn't, this hasn't been planned, your massive channel. Yeah. And I can tell from, because they're still making mistakes that they shouldn't be at their size. And they've right. got there because of one video. So yeah. one of the things to look at is how are people doing stuff? Don't necessarily say it's the right way of doing it, but how can I put my own spin on this? And how can I differentiate within my niche? Because no one wants another, you know, Baron Von Grumble on 44 yeah. Teeth. We want yeah. something different because that's been yeah. done and done very well. So you need to find your own voice there. Mm -hmm. It's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to having a chat with you professionally <laughs> down the line for sure. Uh, right. Last one on Patreon. Adam86. Hi, both. I graduated from university with a broadcast post-production degree, but like most graduates, I never actually worked more than six months in the industry. I found that making content was more of a hobby and just stressful as a job. My question is, what editing software are you both using? If Final Cut Pro is still the best for semi-pro or has Adobe Premiere taken over? And have either of you been brave enough to try using Avid? Hmm. <laughs> well, we kind uh, of touched yeah, on Avid, that, didn't we? No, <laughs> no uh, Avid is like television editors you love it um look, oh, is it? yeah i mean avid's got a, a big big fan base but at the same time you know you can do stuff it's all kind of layout and the way it works and so on but everyone just likes their own different thing and they'll argue about it mm. i just think get the one that you can afford or that suits your computer so if you haven't got a mac well then look at premiere pro or davinci resolve if you've got a mac Final Cut is just fast, you know? Yeah. And it can do tons. And maybe Premiere Pro can do more, but it's slower. And it's, you know, so it's, to me, it's always been one of those things where it doesn't really matter. You just, just try them, see which one you like, and then stick with that. But as a yeah. professional, uh, there is a lot of lean towards Premiere Pro. Um, we're the opposite of the production company. We don't want to work with people with Premiere Pro. We want to work with um, Final Cut. Um, yeah. So if you can learn all of them, if you want to go pro, like Premiere and Final Cut, happy days. Um, otherwise, yeah, if you do want to go pro, you're probably better steering towards Premiere. But it just, um, yeah, it has its pros and cons. It's a bit slower. Yeah, my my son, my son's in the industry. He's a professional videographer for a well, he's self-employed now, and he uses uh, Premiere Pro. And sort of laughs at me because I use Final Cut. He can use Final Cut, but he's just like, no one uses that. It's just you YouTubers use, use Final Cut. <laughs> 
And I'm like, no, actually, there's been Hollywood films made with it. Well, I think there's been like They've one. They've done some iMovie. No, yeah, iMovie's yeah. done some films. That's the thing, right? You say at the end of the day, it's like, would you need the colour grading? Some, some Hollywood films just need to cut it. Then it gets sent to CGI. Then it gets yeah. sent to the colourists, you know? So a lot of editing is just cutting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. pretty basic. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Don't say that. That's my job. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's how you piece the story together. But, you know, Hollywood has a script. And then it's like, you know, how do you make that more engaging? YouTube often doesn't. So it's a different ball yeah. game. Yeah. 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 Um, right, folks. Thank you very much for your questions over on the clan. I think we have one over on Instagram. Uh, Raidu412 or Redu412. Hello, my question. Um, I think English isn't his first language here, but he says, how far are you from motorcycle, mental and literally? So I think he's meaning, are motorbikes part of your life? Obviously, we've had a little chat about that earlier. Can you see them coming back in maybe into the, into your life in the future? Yeah, I'd love one. <laughs> Next <laughs> time like you production. step into a dealership by the sound of it. <laughs> yeah, I like production kit. I love buying motorbikes. Um, I just like looking at them. I like the sound of them. I don't even have to get on it, and I'm quite content having one. Um, yeah, I don't know what I'd want. I know I'd end up looking at like a, you know, like a Bonneville style or Thruxton mm. or something, but I know I'd also get bored quite quick and then lust for the sort of naked middleweight. Uh, I yeah, was yeah. eyeing up sports bikes, um, but, you know, for someone who's scared, I mean, because I drive so little now, even just getting in the car, I'm scared. So yeah, just being yeah. on a bike, it's going to terrify me. So I'm not sure. I'd like, you know, I, I messaged you, didn't I? I was like, you know, doing a bike trip would be cool. I'd be quite up for that. And I know some of my mates are getting their licenses. So I'd definitely be like, oh, lads, let's go and do a tour around Scotland or something. Um, it is the so best feeling in the world. Travel. Yeah. yeah. I love it. It's like Just heroin, it. isn't it? Driving a bike. It's so addictive. <laughs> I, I remember when I did my driving, uh, my first lesson on a 500cc or whatever it is they do after you pass your CBT yeah. and my instructor yeah. in my ear was on a dual carriage where he went just just he's like right, give it give it everything it's got I just couldn't believe it and this is like yeah. an old tatty it was awful I, I just remember being like whoa this is amazing <laughs> the first time <laughs> I got just chase that I bought myself a, a brand new GSX-R 600. So it's like a, a sports bike, 600cc. Yeah. Same as you, passed my test on a 500 and thought, this thing is like a fucking rocket ship. Then I got on my brand new bike and I, I rem- I'll i never forget being on the M25 in the slow lane at 53 miles an hour thinking I was going to change time. I thought I am going into a different <laughs> universe. And then like literally a week later, you're doing 160 mile an hour on a private road, obviously. And, and just thinking yes give me more <laughs> yeah where does it end i don't think yeah, some exactly. of the kawasaki bikes have gone you know in the r1 are crazy um i haven't looked at the sports bikes since well, the, the speed the, out, the right? power the power of them now you know they're over 200 mile an hour some of the bikes it's just yeah. insane right dude i know the time is ticking on you need to go um before we go please feel free give a plug to to the business what you do give any shout outs the stage is yours Sure. I mean, if you want to learn how to make videos and grow a YouTube channel, then just type in Film Booth into YouTube. Um, we do have a production company in the UK, which I don't really ever promote. <laughs> we actually make all the videos for people and businesses, like film it and you know edit it and all that sort of stuff. So if you're ever interested in that kind of thing, that's called Business Film Booth. So we've been smart there and put business on the front of Film Booth. Yeah. 
That's it. That's my plug. <laughs> cool. Well, folks, check out, if you're listening to the podcast, check out the show notes. If you're watching the YouTube vid, look at the description. All the links will be down there for, for all of Ed's uh, social channels, website, YouTube channel, everything like that. Ed, thank you very much for coming on for a chat, mate. I really do appreciate it. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. No problem. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Enjoy your holiday, man. Have a good one. Yeah, I, 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 we've got to get there first. It's like PCR test things we've got to do. And oh, yeah. As long as I've not got COVID and then we land and then you've got to have 24 hours, 48 hours we can't leave the hotel sort of area. All right. Um, so there's a lot of hassle, And then quarantine but... when you come back as well? No, 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 that's all right. We're oh, happy days. I think, I think they're on oh, the green okay. list. Um, oh, nice. Happy days. And they haven't been changed yet. They changed the rest of Europe, didn't they? So I'm hoping that we get away with it. It, fair, it changes. I live my life in quarantine. Like I never leave this house. I barely leave this I'm room. <laughs> I'm exactly the same. Yeah, it means no different, does it? No. Um, folks, hope you. I hope you've enjoyed this one. Um, as I said, check out all Ed's links. Give him a little follow, or subscribe. Uh, check out his channel. See if it can impact on your own social channels and your own YouTube channel. All right, folks, keep doing your thing. Look after those that you love, but most importantly, live your life. Woo ha! Dude, thank you very much for coming on. Sorry to no end it abruptly, but I was very conscious of the time there for you. Yes, okay. No, no worries. No worries. Thanks for having me on. It was good fun. <laughs>